Welcome back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we have our first book club episode, where we are reviewing and responding to American Marriage by Tayeri Jones. So, Leon, what did you think of this book overall? I think I enjoyed reading it overall. Um, I don't think, personally, it make it into like my favorite book list, but I'm glad that I read it and I think it'll be really good for a discussion. What about you? I would agree. I feel like it's maybe not one of my favorite books ever, but I think that it did bring up a lot of really good points, especially related to social issues. And so I thought that it was a really interesting book because of that. Um, so do we want to start with a little bit of a summary for the listeners? This will probably include spoilers. So if you haven't read the book and you want to, I would recommend reading it before listening to this episode. Or if you don't mind spoilers, just go ahead and listen. The summary of this book is essentially this man named Roy was wrongly convicted of a crime that he did not commit. And so he was sentenced to, I believe it was seven years in prison. Correct me if I'm wrong, Lee. Was it seven? I think he was sentenced for more, but he was let out of prison after seven years. Okay. So he was sentenced for quite a while. And then, you know, everybody thought that he was going to be stuck there for a very long time, but he was eventually released early from his sentence. And then it kind of follows like, how his relationship changed throughout um, his time in jail, and then also kind of how his life changed after he got out of jail, and just some of those struggles that he had to face. I think that the book seemed a little bit more character-driven than plot-driven, because I feel like the main, I guess, conflict or event kind of happened early on when Roy was arrested and convicted of the crime he didn't commit. And I think the rest of the book was a little more about relationships and the characters what did you think I would definitely agree with that I think it's definitely character driven because you know you have that one major event that happens where he is sent to prison but then after that it's very much about his relationships and how his relationships with the other characters changed and I think the the one that you can see that the most in is his relationship with Celestial which is his wife Because you definitely see throughout his time in prison, that relationship started to kind of fall apart a little bit more. Or I I guess it's like you would say it's falling apart, but it was definitely becoming more of like a platonic relationship rather than a romantic relationship, which I know really frustrated our main character, Roy. I have a question for you because I know in the past you've said to me about how you don't particularly enjoy character driven books. What did you think of this one? I actually really liked this one, and I think that it was because there was still a major event that happened, or rather a couple major events that happened. I feel like when it's very character-driven and there's not a lot happening, that's when it really bothers me. But because this had enough plot, it was okay. And I think that like seeing how the characters influenced the plot and like how their decisions that they made influenced the plot, I think that... That's why I liked this one a little bit more than I normally would for a character-driven book. What about you? I think I don't have as strong of a preference of like character-driven versus plot-driven. So I think that aspect of it didn't really infect my interpretation of the book. So did you have a favorite or least favorite part of the book? I think my favorite part of the book was probably the writing. Like, I think she did a really good job of writing the different characters and I know you mentioned this to me when we were still reading it, but about how each character felt 
different and you could tell that their voice was different. What was your favorite part? I would probably say I would probably agree with you in the writing aspect because I think the plot there was just so many sad points it was a little bit hard to like pick a favorite part in the plot just because like if you look at it like there were so many like sad things that happened along the way that it kind of made it hard to like cling to a plot point as a favorite part but the writing was really excellent. She did make every character feel different and I thought that I really liked how she injected kind of like some humor into Roy's character. I thought that, that was pretty funny. Sometimes it irked me to no end, but sometimes I was like, this is hilarious. I love this. Yeah, um, we can talk more about Roy later, but I definitely get that. I think one of the parts that kind of bothered me the most was how when Roy was in prison, how his biological father was his cellmate. And I feel like it just seemed a little forced and it was like a little convenient for this. Like, I felt like it was just put there for the sake of the story. Like, I just, I don't know. It seemed a little far-fetched. Yeah, like, oh, what a dink. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a little bit, like you said, a little bit forced. Like, I feel like it could have been a little bit more believable if he was maybe like a couple cells over or something. I think you're right. Like, I think it could be realistic that, you know, people who are related are, you know, incarcerated in the same place. But it just seemed a little convenient about how, you know, at the beginning when they were visiting Roy's parents and then he had this whole big confessional to Celestial about this, which also kind of bothered me. Like he was making it like into like such a big deal. And then all of a sudden it's like, he's like, I don't know who my father is. And then all of a sudden he's just like in prison with him. Yeah, I could see where that would bother you just because it is, like you said, just so convenient that it feels like a little bit unrealistic. But I don't know. I look at it and I feel like that conversation that he had with Celestial about like, this is who my real father is. I feel like he was um trying to downplay it more so. And she was the one who was kind of making a bigger deal out of it. And she was like, I can't believe I married you and you didn't tell me, which... I can understand that feeling too. I mean, if someone like, if I had married somebody and they didn't tell me something like that, I'd be like, where is the trust in our relationship? I think my problem with it was more is how he's making such a big deal about like this, I guess. Well, he didn't know then, but like Walter is like his real father or something. And I'm like, no, your real father is Big Roy who raised you and put the work in. That's true. Like, I don't mind if you call him like, you know, like a version a father or whatever that's fine but I'm like is he really your real father like what did he do yeah he didn't really do much because I feel like it's like it's just being a biological contributor isn't enough to make someone like your dad yeah because it really is about who raised you when you're looking at um who you consider to be family big Roy he kind of embodies that because he's you know he meets what I can't remember the mother's name But he meets her and he just like accepts this kid and he's like, I'll, you know, I'm going to support this kid. And I feel like he provided the, you know, I mean, the financial and the emotional support for little Roy. Yeah, I mean, you even look at it and they call them Big Roy and Little Roy. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess the thing that bothered me the most about the book, besides the bigger picture of wrongful convictions and how that's horrible, was the whole Walter thing. Yeah. 
And you know, that actually tied into one of the questions I really wanted to ask for this book club, which was, does blood make a family or what is it that makes someone family? And I think that we kind of touched on that when we were talking about how it's pretty much who raised you. But if you're talking about family, such as like when you're starting to go off and create your own family, I feel like that's also an important thing to think about is like, what makes somebody your family then? Yeah, I think it's like, A lot of people equate it with biology, and I think that's mainly like a matter of coincidence because a lot of people, the biological connection is also the people who make up their family, but I don't think it's enough to on its own to make you family. I agree. And like I look at two Roy and Celestial's relationship after they decided that they were going to part ways. I think that even though like they were married and then they divorced. I think that they still would consider each other to be family because they still have that sense of being there for each other. And I think that that's like a really big thing that I kind of saw within the book. Right. Because it's kind of like you're saying there's some people that let's say like, you know, you're biologically related to, but you don't consider family. And then there's other people who you're not biologically related to and you still consider family. Like you were saying about how Roy and Celestial, they're divorced, but it's like they could still kind of consider each other that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it reminds me of something that I can't remember who said it to me, but somebody said this to me once where they were saying that friends are like the family that you choose for yourself. And I was like, ooh, I kind of like that because it's true. You know, like I look at my friends who are like my really close friends and I'm like, they kind of are like my family. Like, you know, I can rely on them for things. If they needed something, I'd be there in a heartbeat and vice versa. Right. And I feel like kind of related to that. It's like some people that you know, people are biologically related to, you just can't count on. That's true. Like everybody, I feel like every family kind of has one or two of those people where you're just like, ooh, if I invite you, if I ask you for something, can I count on you? Can I not? And so I feel like it's definitely a matter of like, who can you count on? Who's going to be there for you? Right. And that's why I like, if you think about it, Walter did help little Roy in prison so it's like I can kind of get how like little Roy or I guess we can just call him Roy like would consider Walter family in a way so yeah I mean I understand that as just my whole thing is about like who's his like quote real dad but I can see how he he still has a sort of I guess after the prison sentence not really before but how, how he still kind of has a f- relationship with Walter Yeah, and I think that that's part of the reason why Tyere Jones wrote him into the book, like his biological father into the book in prison, is because she wanted him to have like a couple different father figures, if you will. So like his father who like took care of him growing up, and then also his biological father, who kind of took care of him a little bit more when he was in prison. And so I thought that that was like a really interesting thing to do. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me of the part of the book where he was talking Celestial at the end and kind of telling him how little Roy was saying how big Roy said that Celestial telling the mother that Walter was in prison with Roy was like what caused her to die and Celestial said no like what she knew that you weren't in there alone and someone's watching out for you she like could move on so like yeah that was interesting too because it's kind of like Roy is his father but then like in prison in a way Walter kind of did serve that role so talking about Olive when Roy was talking about how like telling her 
that he was with his biological father made her die. I was like, that's so totally not it. Like, I believe what Celestial said more where she's like, no, she felt like she could pass away after she knew someone was looking after you. I felt like that made a lot more sense than what Roy was arguing. I think from an objective point of view, that makes a lot more sense because she's like, okay, someone's looking out for my kid. But I think I can understand, like, if I was big Roy, like, I think he, you know, he's misses his wife. And so I feel like it's kind of like that kind of anger stage of grief. And he's kind of looking for someone to blame for it. And like Celestial, it's just kind of convenient. That's true. And I mean, I guess also part of it is we'll never really know what the relationship was truly like between Olive and Roy's biological father. And so like, because, you know, if it was like not a good relationship, I could see where maybe she would be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so shocked I'm going to die. Oh, I guess Celestial knew Walter and Roy's relationship because what I was going to say is how does Olive know that Walter was taking care of him? But Celestial probably told her. So one question I have because... I don't know if your edition had these, but mine had questions in the back. And I was looking through them and I saw a couple of them that were interesting. First one I think we could talk about is, I'll just read it verbatim rather than summarizing. So this is from the discussion questions at the back of the book. And it says, when Celestial asks Roy if he would have waited for her for more than five years, he doesn't answer her questions, but he reminds her that as a woman, she would not have been imprisoned. Do you feel this response is valid and validates his infidelity And do you think he would have remained faithful to Celestial if it had been switched? I think personally that like his response is valid, but I don't think it justifies the infidelity. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, because I'm like, because he does bring up a good point that he's saying like, you know, this never would have happened to you as a woman. He's like, as a black man, I'm much more likely to be profiled as this. And so I think that it's a valid point, but Again, I just don't think it ties in with the infidelity. I think that that is more of like a personal issue and varies case by case. I mean, I can understand where it'd be super hard to be faithful to somebody if they were locked away for that long and you didn't know exactly when or if they were going to come out of jail. But I don't think it justifies it. Like if you make it, if you make a vow, you make a vow to that person for life. Like you should be honoring that vow. I think what you're saying is where I came on to it, where I think he has valid points where this wouldn't happen to you. But that doesn't mean that like, like it doesn't excuse anything just because it wouldn't have been switched onto her. Sometimes he just seemed oddly possessive. Yeah, I kind of got that vibe too, where he was like, no, you are my woman. Nobody else can have you. And I think that that especially showed in how he acted towards the end of the book when he was just acting so crazy, like beating up Andre and then trying to like chop down the tree. I was just like, what is happening here? I was like, this is wild. And I think it's like my first reaction was to kind of judge him for that because he kept so many times he kept saying like, my wife, she's my wife. And then I was like, okay, he's been locked up for seven years for something he didn't do. So I'm like, maybe he is just kind of like stuck in that time from before. So I was like trying to like not judge him too hard, but I'm also like, she can do whatever she wants. Like it doesn't make it right, but like she's free to do what she wants. Yeah. And I think part of it too is like, you know, if you go to jail, like you've pretty much got nothing. 
you can't hold on to any of your possessions. You can't hold on to anything like that. So the only thing you can really hold on to is those relationships from outside of jail. And so I think for that relationship to have changed in a way that he didn't like and couldn't really control at the time because, you know, he was still stuck in jail. I think that that's why he was so possessive over her is because he was like, this relationship is the one thing that I thought I could control. And clearly now I can't. Yeah, I think it even mentioned that in the book somewhere where it's like when you're in prison, it's like you kind of hold, especially when you're innocent, is you kind of hold on to whatever you can. Oh, my wife's there on the other side. Like if I just get through this sentence, I will be able to return to her. So I think it was kind of a blow to have that taken from him. So it's like I tried to kind of think of like why he's thinking that way, but it also seems like weird, like, I think this was in the beginning when she was writing him and saying about how, like, she was going to open up that doll shop. And he got real weird about it because he was all like, this was my idea. Like, I wanted to open the shop. And I was like, it's it's her dolls. Like, she can open a shop if she wants to. Yeah. And I think part of that was also because he was like, I can't stand not being there to see you being successful. I feel like he kind of felt like he's like, that's my duty as a husband to be there to support you, to help you to be successful. And I can't fulfill that while I'm here in jail. Yeah. And I think it was interesting, too, because I think he was a little like, I don't know if bitter or annoyed about how Celestial got a loan from her father, because he he was very big on the whole like, I'm your husband, I have to support you thing. And there was that also that line that really bothered me about how like when he met Celestial and she was in a master's program and he was like basically saying I hope it wasn't for anything like smart because I couldn't explain why I stopped at a bachelor's and my wife has like a higher degree than me. And I'm like, seriously, dude. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that line, too. And I was like, yikes. Like, I don't know. I feel like you shouldn't ever. I feel like you should celebrate other people's successes, not try to compare them to your own all the time. Yeah, like in general, that's good advice. And also, I think it's really bizarre thing. I mean, I guess they weren't married then, but it's like a really bizarre thing to say about someone like you like or like are in a relationship with is you're like, I hope they're not more educated than me because that's embarrassing. But I think this kind of goes to like what you were saying when we were reading the book is like, Roy can annoy you and get under your skin, but, like, there's also parts of him that, like, you can really, like, feel for him. And it's, like, I think that goes to her writing about how, like you said, how she writes these flawed characters that it almost makes them seem more real. Yeah, and I really liked that about it. And I also really liked in that section, like, at the end of the book, how she talked about how she was having such a hard time, like, coming up with how she wanted to tell this story And then she saw that like fight between a couple like in a public space. And she kind of used that as like her baseline for her story. I thought that that was really interesting. Yeah, I thought it was interesting to find out that it was like, it's kind of like this fictionalized account of these two people that she overheard in a mall. Yeah, it's kind of like, okay, when you were younger, did you ever just like, this might be kind of a weird thing to do, but did you ever go around and just like, people watch and like make up lives for the people you watched like when you were just like out and about I don't think I did I remember that like my friends and I sometimes like just for the fun of it would be like oh yeah so and so they're definitely like a computer engineer like I don't I don't even know like we would just like make up like random random stuff 
it was really funny. Or like we'd give them like fake names. Like I remember one time we were going to downtown and we saw somebody in like an orange shirt. So we decided his name would be Russell because his shirt was <laughs> Russet. <laughs> so I don't know. It just kind of reminded me of that. And so I think that's why I like personally related to the story. Yeah. Are any of you writers? No. <laughs> I wish, but alas, we are not. <laughs> Did you have anything you wanted to say? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, this is one that I really wanted to talk about. So I feel like throughout this book, there was definitely a stigma of like, you as an individual have to represent your whole race or like it's something that I feel like the main characters struggled with a lot. Like, for example, they were like, we have to succeed and do well. What that kind of reminded me of was I read the book How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi. And he talked about that a lot in his book where he was saying that there's this sort of pressure. And he kind of also talked a little bit about how it's kind of more specifically for minorities. They feel as if there's more pressure to represent their whole race well. Whereas like, I feel like people don't see that as much with like, for example, if you're white. And I thought was like really damaging though, because you know, you shouldn't have to feel that pressure of representing a larger amount of people like each person is an individual and you shouldn't take their actions to be more than just like their individual actions I don't think could because I think if you do that's pretty that's pretty harmful and I'm sure that like mentally the impact that that would have is pretty detrimental I can see that like I think I think a lot of it comes from like if you're a minority, like, in any sense, like, it's not necessarily only race, but, like, I feel like sometimes you're the only person in that room, and so it's, like, when people ask you something and you say an answer, it's, like, sometimes people, like, I feel like it could even be subconscious, like, take it as, like, oh, this is what, like, this group of people feel on this issue, when it's really, like, no, this is what Leanne thinks about this issue. Yeah, or like, for example, if you're the only girl in a group of males and they ask you something about like, oh, what's your opinion on this? And then they take it as like, this is what all females think about this. And you're like, no, 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 no. This is what I think about this. There is a very big difference there. Yeah, I think it it is unfair, but it's like, I don't know what I can do to change that because I feel like it's a lot on like how other people are thinking and how they're interpreting what I say. Yeah, and I think it's a larger societal issue, too, where it's just, like, people do kind of have this preconceived idea of, like, an individual speaking for a larger group, but you're, like, it's not always like that. Like, each person is an individual, and you should take their word as an individual opinion or an individual case. Yeah, so I don't know. I just thought that it was, like, an interesting point that they kind of brought up in the book and, like, touched upon And I just thought I would bring it up because it kind of related back to another book that I had read. But also, what did you think of Celestial leaving Roy for Andre? Are you talking about originally or at the end after she went back to Roy and then back to Andre? Well, it was going to be originally. So, but we can talk about both. Okay. I think originally, A, I'm not surprised because I knew there was going to be an affair in the story. And before they even like officially said who it was, I was like, it's totally going to be Andre. Like, that was so predictable. But in terms of like the second time she went back, I'm not surprised because I feel like she and Roy just had like in terms of like lifelong marriage potential. Like I feel like they just didn't have it. And I feel like 
I think it's because it's like what Celestial said herself. Like she, you don't unlove someone. It's like so she still cared about Roy, so she wanted to like be with him and take care of him when he got out. But it just was like that. Just wasn't enough. Yeah, I would agree with that. I honestly, I feel like the second time she went back to Andre, I thought it made a lot more sense and it was like more of a peaceful decision because both sides were like, yeah, this is probably for the best. So I think like I felt better about it the second time, like her decision to do that, because like you said, I feel like Celestial and Roy definitely had some marital issues. Like, for example, with Roy being like, oh, yeah, I can get another girl's number and it's not cheating. Like, that's that's kind of cheating, man. Like, I don't know if I was dating somebody and they did that. I would be I would be pretty miffed. I had so many. He was like, I think this was mainly like pre-prison Roy but I had so many problems with him he was like kind of a cocky womanizer yes very much so because there was also that thing about the getting the girl's number but then there was also a time when she was like he was I don't know if this is like when this happened in the book but he was all like oh Celestial got all mad when she saw receipts for two pairs of lingerie like not just the one I bought her and I'm like well obviously she got mad about that yeah like who wouldn't and then his whole thing was like, of like when he was just like, oh, it's not cheating because we're not married. And I'm like, he has like the most bizarre definition of what cheating is. I agree with you. He does have a pretty bizarre definition of what cheating is or isn't. Because I'm like, if you were to ask anybody on the street if that was cheating, I feel like most people would say yes. Yeah, I think how he grew up like w- watching Big Roy and Olive, like that could kind of be like why he thinks cheating is like such a serious issue. But it doesn't explain why he gets so mad at Celestial when he's been locked up. And, you know, like you were saying before, it's like she doesn't know when he's coming out. Like he gets so mad at that, yet he spent like their whole relationship getting girls numbers and like buying other girls lingerie. Yeah, because I look at that and I'm like, that just shows that you're not seriously committed to the person that you're with. Yeah, like it's kind of like, oh, she can't do that to me, but like. What I'm doing doesn't count as this thing. Yeah, he's like, well, I'm not like, he's like, I'm not having a physical relationship with them. So it's totally fine. But I'm like, oh, but it's not, though. There's multiple ways you could cheat, like emotionally, physically. There's a lot of different ways that could work out. And I feel like just as a tip to Roy, it's like, if you have to defend to yourself why it's not cheating, it's probably cheating. Agreed. And also, if it's something that makes your partner, like, upset, that should be a pretty big sign that maybe you shouldn't do that. Yeah, I feel like that's another point where it's like, if Celestia is just like, okay, I don't care as long as you don't go home with them, then whatever. Like, she's in on it. She agrees. But the fact that she gets upset about it and his only response is, well, it doesn't count. Sounds stupid. Also, I thought it was kind of like, again, a little bit too convenient when... Roy ended up with Davina at the end of the book. She was literally like, I never want to see you again. Go away. And he was like, okay, I'll go back to my wife. I'll try to make it work with my wife. Oh, it didn't work. Okay, I'll come back to you. I was like, ooh. Like, as a woman, if somebody did that to me, I would not tolerate that. Also, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess prison really changes you. So maybe this does happen. Like, it seems kind of weird how he was all like super ambitious, wanting to live in Atlanta, big city. And then all of a sudden he's just like, 
going back to this tiny town. Yeah, I could see what you're saying. I think it might also just be because after you're out of prison, the opportunities just aren't there as much as someone who's not in prison. Because I don't know how it was like back then, but I know like now a lot of places will check your criminal record. And if you have a criminal record, even if it was like you were wrongly convicted or anything, like, you know, you still will struggle to get a job, especially Fair a job point. that's like a higher up job. That definitely makes sense. Because like he was, I think, in like business or something before. So that could explain that. I just think it was weird. Maybe not necessarily that he went back, but there was that part where he was talking about like, oh, I would talk to Davina about like maybe going somewhere else. And it's, he kind of named some like bigger cities. And then she basically saying like, oh, she would humor me because we both know like I'm not going anywhere. And I was just wondering, like, I'm like, is he happy staying there or does he wish he could go back to like a bigger city? I feel like he probably wishes that he could go to a bigger city, but I feel like it's just kind of like those opportunities aren't there. Whereas, you know, if you're going back to this small town where everybody knows you, I feel like people are like, oh, Roy, like, yeah, I remember you. Like, you were a pretty good kid growing up. Like, all right, I'll give you a job. Whereas, like, if you're going to someplace where you have no connections and a criminal record, I just feel like that's going to be really difficult to get to where you want to go. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I did kind of like how he opened a barbershop with his dad. That was kind of cute. That was pretty cute. It further cemented their relationship and like how close their relationship was, which, okay, I thought that it was hilarious how his dad was like, yeah, Roy's going to see Celestial. Nope, Andre, I'm keeping you here. (laughs) That part made me laugh. I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) too much. But it was so funny. I loved it. It was pretty funny because he's like, oh, the phone's broken. And then the phone rings later in the night. And like Andre's like, oh, I thought you said the phone got cut off. And Big Roy's like, yeah, I lied. I know. I was like, oh, my goodness. Because, you know, I feel like that's totally something that somebody would do if their kid was like, I'm going back to like try to save my marriage. They'd be like, yeah, I'm going to tell the other person that the phone's broken and not let them use it. You kidding me? Also, just saying, I totally agree it should have been a conversation between Celestial and Roy. Like, I feel like Andre should not have been the one to, like, deliver the news. Oh, totally. Because I look at it and I'm like, it's their relationship. Andre was not a part of that relationship previously. So it should definitely be a conversation between the two people who were in the relationship. Yeah, and Andre's just like, no, you stay here. I'll go do it. And I'm like, no wonder, like, the two Roy's, like, concocted this plan because like honestly like it's a little bit of Andre's business but it's really not his business yeah it's really something that the other two had to work through so I was I was kind of annoyed during that part when he was like I'm gonna go and I'm just like no but something I thought was interesting this is another question from the back of the book was how Tyre Jones never mentioned the race of the woman who accused Roy and the question is like how did you picture her And what difference does this make? Because the phrase, the question in the back of the book is like, oh, you may not have noticed that she never specified. And I was like, oh, I didn't notice that she didn't specify. And I just automatically plugged something in. So how did you see the woman? So I totally saw this woman as being like an older white woman. Same. Just because I don't know if it was just like the way that she like went about talking about it or what, but. 
I totally pictured her as an older white woman. Like, I would say probably like in her 60s. Yeah. I mean, I think the older part makes sense because I think it did mention about how the woman was like, could be like older than Olive. But I think I pictured her as white mainly because the evidence was so flimsy and the jury convicted. Yeah, I agree. Because there was like no evidence stating that Roy did this. But again, like you said, the jury took her word over his. And I feel like just there's a lot of like just in general with like assault, there's a lot of like tendency to not believe the person that it happened. And I feel like the fact that he was convicted on such little evidence, it's kind of like the power dynamic of him being like a black man. Definitely. And like, I feel like it's like the jury, like it just made sense to me that the jury would convict if it was like this older white lady accusing a black man of something because like i feel like the just like i don't know it just it just fit like i didn't really think of her as anything else i mean i know it it happens like all the time but it's like it's interesting how like even through the whole thing it's like i know i think roy thought this but i know like celestial said something about it too about how it's like clearly something happened to this woman like nobody's doubting that although i remember when he first went up there and he like was helping the lady at the ice bucket or something i remember just thinking i was like this is gonna be a bad idea yeah i look at it too and i'm like it just it makes me sad to think that like he was like trying to help this woman and be nice to this woman and then later she goes around and like accuses him of rape yeah and it's like i mean i guess because it's like a sketchy motel like maybe there's no cameras but i'm like he was in his room the whole night, but I guess that's a whole different conversation just in general for, you know, flaws in the justice system. Mm-hmm. You know, that reminds me of a quote that really stuck out to me. Um, I think this was what I want to say Roy said this one, but I'm not positive. The quote was, that's your fate as a black man carried by six or judged by 12. And I thought that was so horrible. Like, It was such a powerful quote, but it was so horrible to think about. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, and I think it just, like, goes to show, like, how difficult it is um, in our society to be someone who's, like, a person of color. Yeah, definitely. I think... um... This was from the essay that slightly like not related to that point, but related to the book. But it's from the essay that she had at the back in which she wrote, when I write a novel, I like to think of a conflict in which both parties have a legitimate point. Not the wrongful conviction part, but I was thinking more with like the celestial and Roy, where it's like, if you think about it, it's like they both kind of had valid like reasonings for like what happened I agree and you know I think that that's what made it such a good book is because there were valid reasons on both sides and so it was like you'd kind of go back and forth between like who is right versus who is wrong and you were kind of like well they're both wrong but they're both right and it was just very very interesting because I feel like it also made you question like what what you might personally do if you were placed in a situation like that. And I think that it was a really 
interesting way to like have this sort of conflict. I think maybe because like she wrote it from both perspectives, but I think the book did a good job in kind of getting across like, like, because I feel like the gut reaction is kind of to judge them. But then you're kind of like, this is a really like intense, like event and like life situation where you're kind of like, can I really judge them if I don't know what I would do in those circumstances? Exactly. And I think that that's what she wanted to do with this book. And I think she was very successful in doing that. Let's see. What do you think? Do you think this the buzz behind this is overrated or underrated? I would say it's pretty on par. Like, I honestly hadn't heard of this book before you had mentioned that we read it. But I think it's a very good read. And I'd say it's worth or worth like the buzz just because I think that it does bring up a lot of really important social issues and it does really help you to see from two people's perspectives. What do you think? I think the same. I think the the buzz about it is kind of matches, you know, what the book is. Um, I think it, I think the situation that like the book is best in is kind of like what we're doing, either like a small book club with yourself or maybe like in a class. Um, I think you could get something out of it reading it alone, but I think it's it's really good for a discussion. I would agree with that. Well, thanks for joining us on our book club. Our next book club is going to be in March, and it is The Alice Network by Kate Quinns. That will be dropping on the first Monday in March. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on American Marriage by Tayeri Jones. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review and feel free to contact us through our email or our Instagram. You can find us at Zillennials Podcast on Instagram or email us at zillennialspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.